All right, welcome back, you guys, to another whiteboard edition of the podcast. We are hopefully going to have no issues with this whiteboard because I already, you know, did one take and the whole fucking thing fell down. But um, before we get into that, I'm going to do some shout outs because I actually have my laptop in front, which is going to be super helpful from now on. So my number one new city out in the UK is a city called Lambeth. Shout out to everyone in Lambeth listening to my show. Number two, again, out in the UK, city named Dry Brook. Shout out to everyone in Dry Brook listening to my show. Number three, all the way in Ireland, the city of Dublin. Shout out to Dublin. Awesome, awesome city. Um, Honorable mention number nine, all the way out in Norway, we have a city named Hemdal. Hemdal, I'm 100% saying that wrong. But shout out to all my listeners out in the UK. All right, so what we're going to go over is kettlebells because, you know, I have spoken about training with kettlebells forever on the podcast, but I've never done an in-depth also like a visual whiteboard type of thing and the way I want to get into this is one of the reasons why I use kettlebells a lot in my own training and with my clients and I think it just comes down to how the kettlebell almost becomes you know part of you so if you think about my little drawing here with my little 32 kilo uh, kettlebell um, the way it's designed is just an extension of you. So if I am holding it with my hand and the bell is here, now my lever length is now longer, right? And I think this is why, one of the reasons why, there's, in my opinion, two reasons, why kettlebell training is so much more, um, I'd say, significant when it comes to um, a training effect is because the fact that it is extending your lever length. And we all know that in exercise, like if I do a, you know, push up off my knees, it's a lot easier than doing push ups off, you know, my feet. And that's because I cut the lever in half and I have now less, um, I wouldn't say resistance, but less um, to push off from, right? Um, so with the kettlebell, if you think of doing a swing in front of you, it's now elongating what your arms would be, right? And this is why dumbbells don't really work that well for swings. I mean, like, yeah, you can use them, but the way it's designed, it doesn't give you that same effect. And anytime you elongate the lever, it's going to make the exercise harder. So yeah, I could do a double-handed dumbbell swing sure I'll get you know my heart rate up getting my glutes fired core whatever it is but it's not going to make it that much harder and you know I'll kind of hit a ceiling effect with that even if I go heavier whereas with a kettlebell you know for the most part if I was swinging a 24 kilo kettlebell you know the average person is going to find that challenging compared to a dumbbell that's that's 24 kilos is close to 55 pounds a 55 pound dumbbell right so that's the first thing is that elongates the um, lever so in this case if you're doing swings your arms 
right? Number two, it's a variable um, object. So when you look at the design of a kettlebell, the fact that the handle tends to be a lot smaller than the actual weighted part, right? It's like almost like an offset weight. So when you look at how a dumbbell is um, designed, a lot of times it is, you know, the weight, say if it's 30 pounds of a dumbbell, is evenly distributed within that shape of the dumbbell. Whereas a kettlebell, um, the weight is not distributed evenly, right? There's a little bit of weight in the handle to support the rest of the kettlebell so it doesn't fly off and break off. So when it comes to that kind of logic, it almost resembles what we do every single day. So like that grocery bag or your backpack that you pick up, it's not evenly, you know, um, weight, like the weight within that bag or grocery bag that you're holding, the weight is not evenly distributed. It's kind of all over the place. So you have to stabilize a little bit more, work a little bit more in order to, you know, lift it up or put it into your trunk, whatever it is. And I think the kettlebell is kind of the same way, it just requires you to stabilize a little bit more, which is gonna bring me to my next point. And I'm gonna periodically kind of go back and forth on my camera to make sure it doesn't shut off because sometimes it does that for, for some reason. So that being said, if kettlebells are required for you to stabilize more, it is going to require more muscle activation meaning more muscle contractions, meaning more energy output, meaning more calories burned, meaning your weight loss, fat loss goals are gonna come a little bit quicker. Um, you're gonna be in a calorie deficit compared uh, a little bit easier compared to just using dumbbells. And not only from a fat loss perspective, but you know from a cardiovascular per, um, perspective as well. Um, and the other thing that I look at is because you have to stabilize a lot more, we kind of go back to what I was saying before when we were talking about the joint by joint approach, joint centration. So when I think of stability, I think of safety. So if I'm holding a kettlebell and I know it's X amount of weight and I need to make sure everything's kind of like in a stable position, if I'm holding it, I want my shoulder to be in a joint centrated position. So it promotes from like a rehab standpoint a lot of good things and that's why I tend to use kettlebells a lot in a rehab setting so the benefits are just like like I can talk forever about it but for the sake of this video and this podcast episode we're going to try to keep it um kind of a little bit shorter because I could talk about this stuff for about like two to three hours so now that we know what the difference between a kettlebell and a dumbbell is when it comes to benefits, and I'm not bashing dumbbells like time and place, it's just if I'm looking for a certain goal to achieve, I'm definitely, for the most part, I'm gonna use kettlebells in some shape or form, and I'm gonna get into those things of like what I use it for um, to get there a little bit faster, you know? Um, Kettlebells got introduced into the Western Hemisphere by a guy named Pavel probably around the 90s, but it didn't really kind of get steam rolling until the early 2000s. And 
you know, the whole kind of training system came from um, the Russian army. And when you think about Russians at their prime of the Olympics back, I think in the 70s, they tend to tended to um, dominate the Olympics quite a bit based on this model of training that I honestly now can't remember, but um, essentially their work capacity was so high and one of the tools that they use were kettlebells, but they had this mindset that, you know, say you're cutting freaking wood outside and you're starting to get tired, your rest wouldn't be I'm gonna just stop doing this for a while and then go back to it. It would be, let's find another physical activity that's different as my rest. So you go from chopping wood to digging a hole to putting the wood away, whatever it is. And kettlebell training is kind of the same thing. Is like, you know, it's not, this is a whole other conversation with how to program kettlebell training, but say as you fatigue doing swings you can put down the bell you can use either a lighter bell or the same bell um, to do a different exercise that requires a little bit of variance so say i'm swinging i can put it down and now i'm going to go into squats you know going from a more hip dominant exercise to a more quad dominant exercise so i'm still working to build my capacity up but I'm just utilizing a different exercise. Um, and I think that's where kettlebells are so brilliant in that kind of aspect. Um, where was I going with that? Where kettlebells started from? But I'm gonna kind of get into how I use them and why I use them as well, a little bit more into depth. So when I got first introduced to kettlebells and saw both Grey Cook and Pavel working together and then they demonstrated something called the Turkish getup. So for short, so I don't have to write it out, I'm gonna write down TGU for short. So the Turkish getup, I don't know why it's called the Turkish getup, but just the getup in general. When I saw this idea, this was one this was one of the reasons why I got into movement so much is that seeing an individual lying on their back, kind of going across body almost into like a rolling pattern. And keep in mind, they're holding a pretty heavy weight. And then from there going into a half kneel position and then standing, coming back down. And it just looked like this beautiful thing. And I was like, holy shit, like what the hell is this? And like, that's where I kind of went into the rabbit hole of um, kettlebell training. And the Turkish getup in general, like it just mimics what um, kind of like those developmental stages as a child goes through. And this is where I think Gray decided to kind of dig deeper into the kettlebell world because the whole functional movement screen is based on the developmental stages of a child um, growing up. And, you know, when I started writing my first ironclad body book, you know, I went through one of the benefits, all the benefits of the Turkish getup and now rewriting and updating my book for the second volume, which by the way, I'm at like 64,000 words, crazy in depth. Um, 
I actually have the list in front of me here um, for the get up because understanding all the benefits will one influence how you're going to train and I kind of look at the kettlebell world as kind of like missing links into your programming because like if you're a big meathead um, and like lifting heavy kettlebells is those like missing blocks in your training program that you need to add in order to do those big lifts so what I have written down here is literally 12 things so the first one promotes cross lateralization and essentially what that means is in that position lying down so I'm lying down the right hand holding cowbell left hand out to the side and I cross my midline it's essentially getting my like right brain to work alongside with my left brain so there's a lot of like neurodevelopmental patterns of just lying on your back and learning how to roll over which is what kids do when they learn how to develop that rolling pattern is teaching your body that cross reciprocal patterning in order for you to eventually walk and when i teach the get up the biggest thing that i see is um people not able to roll over like it almost becomes so surprising to me that you know people are like oh yeah i want to go to the gym and i want to lift heavy i want to do the bench press and then i get them on the ground i'm like all right we're gonna learn how to do the first phase of the get up and you know they get into the position and then like their leg pops up they can't roll over they're like what the hell is going on and honestly it's like if you can't roll over then there's a lot of missing links when it comes to your training. And I've had like strong dudes, and I put this in air quotes, um, try the get up just like the first phase. And the first phase, um, let's do this. Phase one. So, if you can read that. Phase one, there's two kind of ways to it. You can either end on the elbow or you can end onto the hand. So imagine yourself lying on your back, right hand up in the air, right leg bent, left leg straight out, hand straight out. The moment I take that deep breath in and come across the body onto the elbow, keeping my chest up, that could be considered phase one. Some people in the kettlebell world community will consider going up towards a hand as phase one. So really it's up to your discretion of where you want to go. But that's a, initially one of the hardest things for people to learn. So when I see people not able to do that, it's like, holy crap, you need to work on a lot of core stability and a lot of sequencing when it comes to movement. and literally when I get people good at this, it just clears up so much stuff. And also like just becoming athletic, just being able to function and move like a human being. Um, yeah, so moving on, it also promotes upper body stability and lower body stability. So when you think about those two, what I just said, both upper and lower body stability, what that means is that if I am coming into phase one, the fact that I'm holding a weight, and actually, you know what? In phase one, I actually get people to just 
hold a fist like and have no weight and people still have trouble with that and I'm like to be considered strong and this is one of the things with the Turkish getup for men they should be able to do the getup with a 24 kilo the only time it goes down to the 20 kilo is if I think you need to be under 140 pounds. So if you're under 140 pounds, you're doing the 20 kilo. I only know this because when I was training for my RKC, which is the, um, I guess I'll call it the level two. So they have HKC where they just test, I think it's just a, a one day or a two day. I can't even remember now. Um, where they just test your goblet squat, your get up and your swing with the 24. And I remember when I was doing my RKC, I had to use the 24 and I'm like, okay, what's the weight class? And I was around like 155 and I'm like, should I lose like 15 pounds just to do this? But I didn't go down that path. But women need to use the 16 kilo. And same thing, there's also a weight um, class that's under and I think I think it's like if you're 120 or under that's when you get to use the 12 kilo so imagine this these are the strength standards in the kettlebell world both in the dragon door community and strong first and I have some people that literally can't roll over in phase one without any weight so I'm like Imagine if I could get this person, a dude, with a 24 kilo rolling over onto the elbow, into the hand, like it's nobody's business. Like, that is some powerful stuff. Now, because I'm holding that kettlebell, the entire get up, and like we haven't gone through the other phases, um, holding that kettlebell the entire getup needs some sort of upper body stability. The moment you get into the half kneeling position, and that's where I would consider that um, phase two, that's where you need that lower body stability, right? This one exercise allows you to work both upper and lower stability. So when it comes from like a rehab pers uh, pers uh, perspective, can't talk, um, that is super important. So if I know I have limited time with a patient or person, client, whatever it is, and the one thing I can teach them, because a lot of times people don't know how to activate their core. They don't know how to breathe. They don't know how to relax, contract, things like that. So phase one, in order to cross the body effectively, you need to know how to utilize your diaphragm. So it's like, as I'm teaching someone how to breathe, I'm also gonna teach them how to do the Turkish getup. Huge dividends down the road. Now that patient, client, whatever it is, is really, really good at that. And now I'm giving them a kettlebell to practice with it. Now I'm working shoulder stability. A lot of people have shitty shoulders, and one of the issues is that it needs stability in order to do that. So it's like, awesome, now I'm building stability at the same time. Also at the same time, even in phase one, we're 
creating some sort of component of strength because eventually and like there's so many avenues to that I can go with this because sometimes I'll never go past phase two just because sometimes people have shoulder mobility issues which we'll also get into later on but strength component sometimes I'll just get my male clients that are big dudes that don't have really good shoulders and just do phase one with a really really heavy weight now Another thing, again, going back to my first point from the very beginning of me talking, yes, you could use a dumbbell, but the nature of how the kettlebell is designed, I find that because when you're holding it, you have the big ball here, that's a lot more challenging to stabilize than just a dumbbell here. And I've had people all the time is when I work with them in the clinic and I present a kettlebell for the first time and they're like, holy crap, like this is so different from what I'm used to in the gym. And they always ask, can I use a dumbbell for this? And I'm like, you can, but it's not gonna be the same. And then the moment they do try out their exercises that I give them, and we can probably get into it today too, is they realize that it's not as good and they end up buying kettlebells just because of that one time in the clinic working with me. Like that's how powerful these things are is that when you present it to a brand new person for the first time or just a meathead that hasn't utilized a kettlebell at all because they're just used to the barbell, whatever it is, dumbbells, they feel the difference. They feel the benefit of it, right? So the other one, we're on now number four, it promotes reflexive stability of the trunk and extremities. So this whole reflexive point. Going back to the cross body, you know, get up portion in phase one. In order to do that, the reflex of creating stability, because a lot of times when people lie down and I tell them now I need you to roll over, like the left, like if I'm doing my right side, the left leg will pop up constantly. And what that tells me is they don't know how to create tension and enough intra-abdominal pressure to stabilize their body into the ground as hard as possible to come across the body. They don't have that um, reflexive um, stability work, right? Like. You know, it, it should be almost like a domino effect. Like you push that first domino and then everything falls into place. And I haven't found really another exercise like the getup to develop this kind of training effect um, as well as anything else out there. So I think that right there, number four, that reflexive stability is a game changer for people. And yeah, I haven't come across anything that, you know, can even match it. Um, number five, ties the right arm to the left leg and the left arm to the right leg. So again, it goes back to the reciprocal opposite arm, opposite leg. So if you look at us walking, you will notice that if you take your left leg forward into a step, your right arm counterbalances it. We walk every single day in that pattern, opposite arm, opposite leg, opposite arm, opposite leg. It happens naturally. So in my mind, I'm like, if that's a pattern that the human body, us as homo sapiens, that is ingrained in our brain 
as the most efficient way to walk, to run, sprint, whatever it is, it almost makes more sense to, you know, when you're in the gym, to resemble that movement, right? Lunges is one of those ways, but most of the time, like, our arms are fixed at um, holding dumbbells, whatever it is. And the nice thing with um, the getup, you get that cross patterning um, effect when you do the exercise. And again, it's another like moment where when I was researching the getup and I read that point, I was like, holy shit. It was like one of those times where like things started linking. I'm like, this makes so much sense. Right, like this exercise makes you better at being a human being, right? Like it promotes what's ingrained in us since like the dawn of time. Like that's pretty fucking important and not let's place a barbell onto my hands and come down, I don't know, 20 inches just at my chest and then press it off. Like that's not going to give me, you know, my most bang for my buck for human performance. Um... Number six is gets the upper extremities working reciprocally with the legs too. So basically number six that I wrote here, from one to five, it gets down to number six, right? So it's kind of like a puzzle piece. Like the moment you start like peeling the onion, you start seeing all the other layers that kind of come together. Um, number seven, this is a huge one. It stimulates the vestibular system which is one of the three senses that contribute to balance. So when you think of balance training, people automatically assume that you need to be on a fucking BOSU ball with like your eyes closed, like you're about to do a fucking kick from the karate kid. That is not balance training. Our balance develops as we are, you know, babies and we eventually walk. Like, it almost sounds, you know, crazy to think that as we are babies lying on our backs, the moment we start learning how to roll over is the moment that we start building our balance. If you look at the science behind how we develop, like, think about it. If a baby goes from, um, lying on their back, rolling over, crawling, eventually going into a kneeling position, standing up and walking, like that moment that they decide to walk, they need to have developed some sort of like balanced thing inside their body. It's not like, you know, they started doing exercises on a fucking BOSU ball to improve their balance. They develop those receptors in their feet, their whole body in order to be able to walk for the first time right it's really fast pace and a lot of times when I get clients they're like oh I have terrible balance oh I have terrible terrible balance and I think of like they need foot stability hip stability core stability all those three things equate to balance training so when I tell people hey we're going to do the Turkish get up to improve your balance people look at me like that's fucking crazy but it all connects together. So if I wanted to improve someone's balance, I'm going to the Turkish gap. 
This is another interesting one too when I was thinking about this is like it also stimulates the visual system. So when you go through the entire um, Turkish getup, and you know what, let's go into phase two. Because we're gonna now start seeing these things. This is gonna go to point seven and eight. So we have our vestibular and our visual. system um, so these two tend to happen right okay I will say it will happen in phase one but I think it kind of happens right in between phase one and two and then getting into the final getup, which would be phase three. So when I coach the kettlebell Turkish getup, as you're lying down and you're holding the kettlebell into your fist, your eyes are on the object the entire time. So now we're looking at our object. The moment we come across the body, we are still looking at that object. We are still training our visual system. Now, when I go into the high bridge position to transition into phase two, I am still looking at that kettlebell, still training my vision. Now, going into phase three is where all this stuff gets challenged. When I get into phase two position where my hands on the ground, my knees on the ground, my legs out to the side and I'm holding. As I come up and now I need to straighten out my legs into a half kneel position, my eyes will go straight. That moment of looking up at the kettlebell and then looking out straight is where a lot of people will tend to lose their balance. But if I spend a lot of time in phase one and phase two, that's not gonna happen. A lot of people will have enough stability and enough training within the vestibular and visual kind of aspects of the exercise that when they get to the phase three where they're kneeling and they're gonna go into the standing position, balance is not gonna be an issue. And that's the thing, like, just think about when babies develop, when they, um, how long it takes in each stage. Um, in each stage, they spend enough time to develop all those like kind of necessary steps to get to the next, you know, phase of their developmental stage. So if I spend enough time with these two, and I'm going all over the place. So let's go, boom, boom. I tend to spend about eight weeks here. Now I'm starting to think that I should start going down the rabbit hole of looking at the developmental stages of time for kids when they roll over and things like that. But anyway, that's going to be another rabbit hole. If I spend about eight weeks here in phase one and two, by the time they get to phase three, which is the complete 
TGU. All these two, the vestibular and visual, and also like the stability necessary to get into that, tends to um, be pretty solid. And again, this, this number can change, but for the most part, I spend about eight weeks here. And now, the other thing I want to bring up is number nine on my list here. It also stimulates your proprioception system, which also contributes to balance. So I'm going to throw in another... Uh, how do I want to do this? Let's make a little bit of room here. Visual and proprioception. I'm just going to put down prop. Hopefully you guys can see all of this. Um, the other thing that I have not said yet, the big thing with kettlebell training, which is so brilliant, is training in bare feet. When you see someone training kettlebells with shoes on, you know that they don't know anything. <laughs> or if they're at a gym where they don't allow people to go barefoot, they're in like socks that person knows what they're fucking doing. So if you look at children, most of the time they're barefoot. Most of the time their feet are receiving all that information to develop balance, to develop, you know, if objects are uneven so it's not a flat floor. Like our feet are like our hands. Our hands are constantly touching things and reacting and adapting to it but most of the time for us, like right now, my feet are in socks and shoes when I'm at work, whatever it is, and I don't get that. So my feet tend to go to atrophy. When kids are barefoot a lot more, they learn how to create better balance. It's another reason why yogis have really good balance because they train in that element barefoot. If you saw a yogi with shoes on, they're not going to develop the greatest of balance. And that's another reason why I love kettlebell training is that let's get back rooted into the ground and it transfers over to so many different things. So when I get someone barefoot, one, we're going to be working on their balance indirectly just because they're barefoot. They're going to learn how to stabilize on one leg. They're going to learn how to grip into the floor. Now with those things, when it comes to lunges, deadlifting, squats, now they know how to get into the ground with their feet and not just like, oh, I'm deadlifting, I'm just gonna shift my weight back into my heels because that's how I feel my hamstrings. But then they are not, they're losing so much that they could potentially have. So that's another huge thing that the whole kettlebell community provides us is that kind of you know return to where our roots are um which is barefoot um where am i gonna go with that let's go to number 10 promote spatial awareness so in order to get to phase three like all these three things right here all these phases in order to do all those things, you develop like a kinesthetic awareness, like just knowing space and time. We almost learn your own consciousness of doing the exercise, right? A lot of times with the people I work with, 
they don't really have good coordination. Like if you wanted to improve your coordination, like this is the exercise to utilize. And the moment that you start doing the getup over and over and over and over again, you will find that your movement patterns just improve. Like there's moments where you're constantly looking at that kettlebell in your fist and your eyes will have to move to the transition, especially when you're up here and then you come up through to the kneeling position, you just need to know that it's there, right? And that a lot of times people tend to look up, they tend to look at the object, right? But knowing that it's there, you develop a little bit more awareness around your body just because of this one exercise. Um, develops a front and back weight shift. So this, in my opinion, is that moment where you're in a half kneeling position with the kettlebell up in the air and you need to shift your weight from that half kneeling position to go forward. And this is like that brilliant, like honestly the whole exercise, honestly I thought I was gonna be just talking about kettlebells in general, I'm just going through the whole freaking, um, the whole getup, but um, the whole exercise is brilliant because now, especially number 11, yeah, number 11 that we're on, when we move forward, like when we want to produce motion or force or power, we need to know how to take the weight that's on us, within us, holding from a dead stop to a propulsion like position to go forward and that get up will develop those small intricate muscles that are responsible for that movement for that weight shift from back to forward on the way back down like I look at um, the kettlebell get up on the way up is almost learning how to accelerate your own body whereas on the way down it teaches you how to decelerate and when again when it comes to athletic performance those are the two things that every athlete needs is learning how to accelerate and decelerate, accelerate, decelerate. And if you want to get now sports specific, like you can have fun with learning the entire get up and doing tempos. Like you can tell people, I want you to go do your get up as fast as possible and as slow as possible on the way down. Or you can do the reverse without, you know, making it look crazy, but there's so many aspects where you learn in the getup how to accelerate, decelerate, accelerate, decelerate. And even when it comes to um, everyday people, like I think learning how to decelerate is very beneficial because when it comes to you recuperating from an injury or, you know, say you're crossing a street and a car comes in front of you really, really quick and you know how to decelerate and stop, it helps quite a bit. Um, the last one here develops upper body strength, trunk strength, and hip strength. So now that we kind of covered all the little nitty gritty stuff, the overlying um, benefit of the getup is the strength component. When I get someone able to do the entire getup from start to finish, um, 
then that's when I'll challenge the load. Imagine how I said earlier with someone not being able to just roll over, getting them to do that, and then adding for a dude a 24 kilo, for a woman a 16 kilo, and do that for, you know, one rep aside, like that is a huge achievement. Like if I had someone come in and they're like, I have a plateau in my deadlift, the Turkish getup is what I'm gonna give them. And most of the time, even if people have done a Turkish getup because they saw it online, they don't do it right. They don't do it the way if you took a Strong First or a Dragon Door RKC certification. They don't know the hard style kettlebell way of doing the getup. Most people just kind of just roll into it and they're all kind of floppy, but doing getups with purpose is going to really, really, really help. So, I'm wondering how I am on time because I can talk forever on this guy. Okay. I'm going to do a part two on this because we're already at 40 minutes here. But let's take this. We already know it has a huge influence on um, so many levels of human movement and performance but now, and strength, but now let's look at this from a rehab standpoint. If people are injured, people are weak, like when I say a rehab standpoint, people tend to think that rehab is literally, I'm doing bird dogs and banded exercises like this. That's not what that is. I look at rehab training as just strength training with a purpose and utilizing specific exercises that people need from a rehab standpoint if i get someone doing the turkish getup it is going to fix everything let's go for example what i see in the clinic all the time low back pain will the turkish getup help with low back pain 100 percent. so let's make a whole another column here for rehab So one thing that people need to help prevent low back pain is core stability. A core strong enough to fight flexion, extension, anti-rotation, and lateral um, flexion. The Turkish getup does that, right? If you can't keep a stable spine during the getup, you will just collapse. So if I get someone really good at the Turkish getup, low back pain tends to go away. What's another thing I see in the clinic? Terrible, terrible shoulder pain. What does a shoulder need? It needs, most of the time, stability. So if I have someone holding the kettlebell, and again, like most of the time, we're not gonna go overhead, so let's just stick in phase one here or we go to the elbow or hand. How do I create stability? Let's get place a load, let's centrate the joint and teach the shoulder that anytime you grip tight and hold a heavy weight, you're gonna stabilize. So I just created stability. We can have a subcategory here for the scap. 
What does this gap need? It needs stability. Again, we have that in phase one. And just in general, say I have someone that's an overhead athlete and their scap is all flimsy, loosey-goosey, Turkish getup in general, especially in that overhead position, learning how to stabilize it. What else do I see in the rehab setting? A lot of shitty hips, especially when hips need stability. When we get into the getup, especially in that half kneel position, I would bet that if I had a weight over my head in a half kneel position and now I have to go from a dead stop from a split squat up into a lunge, that requires quite a bit of hip stability. That fixes my hip problem. Now, people with um, grip issues that can lead to shoulder injuries as well. I'll just put down grip strength because that kind of leads into so many other things. So honestly, a lot of this stuff will, and you'll see more of these videos that I do, how my training kind of magnifies, and I've been using this word a lot, magnifies and spills into other facets of training. So I just went over just the Turkish getup, right? of how it, what the benefits are, um, where, what benefit from strength, from a stability standpoint, and also from a rehab standpoint, where um, it fits. I think for the next upcoming videos, I'm gonna do a part two to kettlebells, because there's so much more that we can talk about, and some other rehab stuff that I wanna get into, but for the sake and time of this video, that's it for, tonight because I can talk forever but if you guys have any more questions feel free to reach out um, thank you so much for watching listening you guys are amazing um, hit the show notes add me on Facebook and Instagram because I post a lot of videos like this one that you're watching if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook and that's it for me until next time you guys